And uh, like I said, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 3. We've been, uh, or I've been doing a, a series on the book of Psalms. And um, we just started, decided to start out 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and remember, there are different genres of Psalms. And uh, we've talked about this. Um, we've looked at Psalm number 1. Uh, which can be considered a wisdom psalm. Uh, psalm number two, which I believe we said was more of a, a royal psalm. And then today, number three, we're going to look at a psalm of lament. All right, lament, which basically is kind of a sincere crying out to God uh, when faced with a real trial or difficulty. Okay, the psalmist is very real in all that it's, it is talking about. So one commentator says also that it's a cry out to God in the midst of experience of suffering. And so this language, what it does is drops all of the superficial or artificial uh, quotes that maybe we would find on a Hallmark card and really expresses the raw emotion that we feel as human beings when we face suffering when we face trials, when we face hardships, okay? And it's, it's one that believes that we have a God who is listening and a God who cares, okay? And so let's all stand up together as we read Psalm 3, which is our text for this morning. Just eight verses, okay? Starting there in verse 1. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. A word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. All right, so this morning, as we dive into Psalm 3, uh, we are really going to see that since God is our real and true and right deliverer, we should not fear our enemies, but confidently focus on the one who delivers us from all of our enemies, okay? And so God is our deliverer, our great God and deliverer. We should focus on him instead of our enemies. And as we begin our look in Psalm 3. We're going to break it down into three sections, and these are it if you're taking notes, okay? Our complaint is number one, our confidence, number two, and our praise, number three. And many of the, the lament psalms follow this structure, okay? And in fact, one of my uh, seminary professors pointed out basic, uh, the basic structure of lament is this. There is first the invocation or the plea to God for help. Basically, God help me, okay? And then two is the complaint. Here is the problem. Here's what's going on. 
Thirdly is the confidence in God to combat that problem, to solve that problem, or deliver us from that evil. And then four, it ends with a praise and a blessing. So it starts out with praise, talks about the problem, and then goes on to confidence in God to solve that problem. And then it comes finally to praise. So with that in mind, let's look firstly at our complaint. Our complaint. See, as we think about this idea of the complaint, oftentimes it's not until we come to our wit's end or we come to the end of ourselves or we are in over our heads where we finally cry out to Jesus. Is that not true? It is true. It takes often God humbling us to the point where we have no other place to turn and no other person to turn to, so we turn to God. And in the opening verses here in Psalm 3, David knows that his enemies are all around him. And for David, these are physical enemies. Verse 1 begins with David crying out to God as Heavenly Father for help. He says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. See, the subtitle, if you look in your Bibles, of this particular psalm is a psalm of David, when he fled Absalom, his son. And so if we were to take some time and turn back to 2 Samuel 15, we learn the context of this psalm, where David's son, Absalom, has betrayed David, really as a result of David's sin with Bathsheba. He has betrayed him, and he's forming a coup to take over the nation of Israel from him. David is forced to flee from his own kingdom, from Jerusalem, with a small group of faithful followers. These enemies are real flesh and blood. These are people that are setting themselves up trying to take over this true king, David. And David knows this is bad news. He is at the end of himself, and he's saying, God, I am in trouble. I need your help. Notice the word here in verse 2, salvation. We usually hear this term, and we think salvation from what? Our sins, right? We think about Jesus dying on the cross, saving us from our sins. But in the Bible, this word salvation can take on a number of different meanings. One of the meanings is that of deliverance. From an enemy or deliverance from a crisis or a big problem that we would have. It emphasizes God as a deliverer. God is the one who rescues us from our enemies, whatever they may be. And that's what's going on here in this psalm, that God is our great deliverer. You know, many of us, when we think about it, we may feel like David. We may feel like we have enemies that surround us. We just prayed about that. Saying, God, please help me not to believe the lies of my flesh. Please help me not to believe the lies of Satan. There are enemies that are stacked up against us, spreading lies, slandering the goodness of God and his people. Saying that there is no help from God, maybe no help from God in our struggling marriage Maybe our struggling relationship between food and dieting. Our struggle to be pure in a highly sexualized culture. 
Maybe it's no help from God in our crazy life that just seems one step away from falling apart. Or maybe it's an estranged friendship, a friendship that is at odds. Or the battle going on inside of our own minds, our own flesh. Or maybe it's struggles with a wayward kid. A kid who has said, you know what, you've taught me all my life about Jesus, but I don't want nothing to do with him. The enemy would say, there is no help from God. And maybe we are there this morning with one of those particular battles or a different one that I didn't name. And it is here where God encourages us to voice our complaint to him in a very real and authentic and honest way. But notice it's a respectful way. It's not a going at God and saying, God, I can't believe that you did this. It's not bringing it to him in anger or disrespect, but it's saying, God, I want to be honest with you as my heavenly father that this is the problem that I am facing and that he is there to listen and that he wants to listen to us. It says, Lord, I'm struggling. I feel like I'm on the verge of breaking apart. I don't know if I can hang on. It seems like my enemies are going to conquer me. That's where David is at. And that's where David encourages us to be, where God encourages us to be. But God doesn't leave us there in Psalm 3. He moves on to something beautiful, our confidence. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter up of my head. See, this psalm takes an abrupt, abrupt shift with that one word, but. It's a contrasting word. It goes from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. It's like David says, enough of the complaining already. It's preaching time. It's time to preach the word of God to myself. It's time for me to talk back to myself. To say, don't believe that lie. Don't believe that enemy. Your enemy's not in control. God is in control. That's what I mean by preaching the truth to yourself. That's why it's so important for us as Christians. I remember, I can't remember the quote of who it is, but uh, one person has said that the problem that we often have is that we listen to ourselves too much instead of preaching God's truth to ourselves. We listen to the lies too much without stopping the lies and preaching the word of God to ourselves. That's often the problem. Here one commentator points out, rightly, it says, The hypnotic power of the enemy is broken when one turns one's gaze towards God who is able to fight and grant victory. See, focusing on the problem is helpful for only so long. It's good to know what the problem is. It's good to know what the enemy is. But the thing is that we can set our minds on that enemy for too long. And we can start to become anxious that anxiety takes over and sucks us in, takes our eyes off of God and puts our eyes on the problem. That wayward child, that, that battle going on inside of us of discouragement or depression, whatever it may be, we fix our eyes on that instead of fixing our eyes on the Lord. And no peace or rest will be found in anxiously meditating on the problem. So what David does is he turns his mind back to the Lord. And that radically changes his outlook, his way of thinking. And we see that as the psalm progresses. We see that through the language that David uses in verses 3 through 6. Here are some of the attributes 
of the Lord. God is his protector. A shield about me. The shield that protects from the the arrows and the swords. He is an encourager. Where the text says he lifts up my head. Means that of encouragement. He's a listener. He has answered me from his holy hill. God is also a sustainer for David and for you and for I. The Lord has sustained me. He's a giver of peace. Notice the gift that he gave to David. He gave sleep. He gave rest. What a beautiful picture of God. So even though his circumstances should have produced the opposite of these godly uh, gifts and characteristics, they in reality do not. For example, with verse 5, where David says he was about to get some great sleep in the midst of this big problem. I don't know about you, but when there's a big problem in my life, I usually don't sleep well. And yet, the gift that is given to David here is that of rest and that of sleep. We can see then, as as James uh, Boyce pointed out, that after focusing on God, our enemies are essentially right-sized. They're shrunken, right? When we focus our eyes on the enemy or the problem too much, they get to be big, overwhelming. We can't, it seems like insurmountable, like we can't beat this thing. And yet, when our focus is on the Lord, that enemy shrinks. It right-sized. And like David, we are rested. We are unafraid. We are confident in the Lord even though there is no evidence of change in our external circumstances. This is not based on his circumstances. His circumstances are bad. He's got enemies all around him. So notice that. The circumstances might not change in our lives, but when we focus on God, our understanding of him, our trust in him, that's what changes. And that's what helps us to engage in the problem before us. That's huge. So the question is, where is our gaze? Where is our focus? Are we focusing on the the circumstance, the enemy? Or are we focusing on God? Are we focusing on the money that's not in the account to pay the next bills? Are we focusing on the voice inside of our heads that say, we're too ugly, we're too fat, we're too short, we're not pretty enough. We need to change in this category or this area of our lives. Or is it the slander of our enemies that says, you know what, you're not really a godly person. Why do you bother with this whole whole church thing? Why are you pretending to be a Christian after you struggle with X, Y, and Z? Or maybe the lie of, you don't really need to be in church. You don't really need to be with God's people. They're just a bunch of hypocrites anyways. Or whatever the enemy may be saying in our lives. See, the problem is we tend to fix our eyes anxiously on those enemies. And they blow up to a powerful beast that seems to take us over. But instead, we need to turn our eyes back to God. We need to turn our eyes back to Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. The one who can deliver us from our enemies. And let's see, lastly here, as we turn our text to the the final verses, our praise. We have looked at the problem, we've looked, the complaint really, we've looked at 
Um, this, uh, why did I forget my second point? Confidence. And uh, now we've looking at the praise, okay? We're ending with a heart of worship. And this really is fitting, right? Our whole lives are to be about worshiping God. That's why we exist, right? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever, as our catechism says. The hero of this psalm is not David. All right, let me say that again. The hero of this psalm is not David. David realized that he was in over his head, that he could not get himself or his people out of the problem. He had to call to somebody outside of himself, someone greater, someone better than himself to help him. And that's what he does. Verse 7, look at it. It says this, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. The hero of this psalm is God. God is the great deliverer for David. And God is the great deliverer for you and for me. For whatever enemy we may face. This is the way that our laments should end. As we lament to God about the real problems. As we confess, this is what is really going on in my life. It should end in praise to the one true God. Yes, we acknowledge a problem. Yes, we are honest. We are authentic. We don't hold back. God's not surprised about what we're going through. He knows about it. And yet he calls us to voice that to him and end in praise. Psalm 3 is a real-life psalm. It's a real-life psalm. It's for us who are in the thick of it, in the trenches, struggling with daily things throughout our life. We know that enemies are a reality on this side of glory. We don't need any more evidence for that. We have enemies at work. We have enemies at school. We have enemies in our neighborhood across the street. Enemies we can't see that work for Satan. Enemies that we can see that try to discredit God and discredit God's people. Enemies within ourselves, our own flesh, the old, old man inside of us, the old woman inside of us that still wants to go back to that sinful nature and delight in those sinful passions. Our anxieties, our fears, our unbelief, our insecurities... These are enemies just like physical enemies and yet sometimes feel even stronger because they exist inside of us. But there is one enemy for us that trumps them all and it's not out there, but it's in here. It's our own heart. 1 Corinthians 15, let me read it for us. It says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We often talk about this verse at Easter, because we celebrate the victory that we have over death, over the grave, over sin. Jesus has defeated our greatest enemy already on the cross, and as he resurrected from the grave, the biggest enemy that you and I have, he has already taken care of. 
man, we need to think about that. We need to remind ourselves of that. Jesus is our great deliverer over our greatest enemy. I want to close with this quote. It says this, But if that is true, if God has saved you in this great matter of salvation, why should you tremble before the lesser physical dangers of this life? However imposing and frightful they may seem, you should triumph by faith in God as David did. So if God has indeed defeated our greatest enemy already, what are these little things to him? What are these little enemies to him that you and I face each and every day? They're nothing. Nothing. And I hope that this message has encouraged you from God's word to really focus on the Lord in the midst of your problem. You've all got enemies. We've all got enemies. And instead of focusing on the enemy itself, we need to turn our gaze back to the Lord. Back to Jesus, our greatest deliverer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we pray that you would please uh, just help us, first of all, to be honest. Sometimes we have a problem with being honest uh, with you about our struggles. And yet we all have them. And so, Father, we pray that you would please uh, help us to voice these complaints in a respectful way, in an honest way, not holding back. But, Lord, that you would then take us to fixing our gaze on you. You can beat this. You can beat whatever problem it is that's going on inside of our mind right now. And so we pray that you would show your power and show your greatness as the deliverer that you are. We love you, Lord, and we pray for your protection and for your peace as we go forth this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.